Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. And Father, we do come before you with thanksgiving and praise, Lord, for you're worthy of it and how beautiful it was, Lord, to be able to sing to you this evening and to get our focus on the things of heaven, Lord, to get our focus upon you, Lord. And we're so blessed that you say that if we gather in your name, that you are in the midst of us. So Father, we believe that you are here. And we ask that you would have your way with our hearts tonight, Lord. Some of us are really tired. Some of us have had a long day. Others are are fresh. You know our condition. We just pray that you would meet us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Bless the word as it goes forth. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, we finish right like in the middle of it. But where we're at in this portion of scripture, the Lord has made David the son of Jesse king over Israel. And all of Israel has come around David and have confirmed God's calling on his life. They anointed him with oil at a place called Hebron. And so we see God moving powerfully. And and 1 Chronicles is sharing with us, telling us about the story of David again, because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will come through his lineage. And so we're told that David would go on to become great, and he would go on to become great because the Lord was with him. That is why King David is so well known, because the Lord was with him and he was with the Lord. And then the writer begins to tell us about David's mighty men. These are the men that God sent into his life to help him be established as king. And so we see by the likes of these men that we've been reading about that they were, they were mighty indeed. Amen? Their deeds, their feats were amazing of biblical proportions. Like only God can do that. Amen? The first that was mentioned in this chapter was was Jeshobim, who was chief of captains and had lifted up his spear against 300 and killed them all at once. 300 men, just like that. The next guy was Eleazar, who was one of the three mighty men who was with David at a place called Pasdamim, in which... Everyone ran from the Philistines, except for this guy, Eliezer, and David, and the Lord gave them a great victory. And then there was three of the 30 chief men that we read about last time that heard David just say, oh, if I can have a cup of water from the well at Bethlehem. And so three of these chief of the 30s said, let's do this. Even though they were surrounded by the Philistines, they broke the line, went to Bethlehem, went to this well, and brought them back an awesome, fresh drink of water. But David, as you know, would not drink it because they risked their lives for such a 
such a thing. So he poured it out to the Lord as a drink offering. And so we're reading about these, these men. And we recognize the reality that when God calls a man, as he called David, that he begins to divinely work in that man or woman's life in order for God to accomplish what God wants to accomplish through that individual. It didn't begin with David just being anointed by everybody. It wasn't that easy, as you know. God had ordained David as a young boy. And then God began to work in his life and work on young David's character as he was preparing him. David learned to seek the Lord and to pray to God while he was out there on the hills of Bethlehem. He learned to depend on the Lord. And as he grew older, he learned to depend on the Lord for victory over a bear, over a lion. And as he grew older, over the infamous giant Goliath. So we see that as we're reading about these men around David, God was putting David's life together, and these men had something to do with that. They were divinely brought to David's life in order to establish him. Amen? And the same goes for anyone who puts their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. Anyone who would repent of their sins, acknowledge that what Jesus Christ says about us is right, that we're sinners and in need of repentance. For those of us who accept Jesus's reality for us, for our status, and put our trust and faith in him, we can be totally assured that God has a plan for our life, just like David. David was special because God was with him and he was with God. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross, we are special as well. We become children of God. And then we can be assured that our lives are divinely being planned out by the Lord. That means a lot to me. Coming from a broken home, and it may mean a lot to you as well. Growing up thinking, what is the purpose of life? Growing up thinking, why are things so hard for me? Why are others uh, blessed with better parents, with a better home, with, with love and concern where, where I grew up without any of that? But then Christ comes into our lives and no matter how bad the background, he loves us like, like he does everybody else. We are the apple of his eye. He loves us so much and we can be anything. And, and we come to realize the truth that he has had a divine plan for our life all along. All along, even before we were saved, I look back and I think, okay, when you share your testimony as when I do, I can tell you exactly where I was when, when someone shared Christ to me, when someone pointed me to go to church, someone, you know, you remember those moments because it's, it, it's, it's your story and how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. I can tell you all about it. And I wasn't even saved yet. I can tell you the people who came into my life and spoke into me. Then I got saved and I realized, wow, he has this plan for my life. That's exciting to me. And I think the Christian life was meant to, to be exciting, to be one of optimism and enthusiasm concerning what God has in store for us in our lives. Oh, God's amazing. And so he turns our life into one big package of amazing with trials, with hardships, 
with testings. But all in all, if we abide in Christ, this divine plan is going to just blow our minds away. In Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, verses 13 through 18, Psalm 139, he says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they, are all, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And then Ephesians 2.10, you know it well, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for you and I, just like he had for David. And I can tell you how he got a hold of me, how he threw the net out with people, but I can tell you the day I got saved, I can tell you those that God sent in my life to help minister to me, and, and when I was a baby Christian to shepherd me, for God says, and I will send shepherds into your life who have my wisdom, who will give you wisdom. That's Jeremiah, I think, 3.17. But he did, he began to send people into my life to encourage me, to shepherd me. And you can say the same for your life as well. You see all the pieces coming together divinely. The things that you need, the open doors, the friendships, those serving in ministry with you. We can see God's divine hand on it. But we need to be in God's plan. I believe that even as believers, we can hinder God's work in our life. We can hinder his plan. We can hinder the blessings that he wants to give us if we are not diligently seeking him. If we are not abiding in him, everything can stop. And you know, for David, everything stopped, right? King David, everything stopped when he sinned. When he stopped going out in the, into the fight with everybody else, he got in trouble. Sin got a hold of him. So, for us, we should know that if we want God's beautiful plan to come to fruition, oh, let us seek him and abide in him. Because that's, that's the only way I, I have recognized that you really see things moving in a positive light is when we seek the Lord. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's got that plan for us. Matthew Henry said concerning this area of Scripture, those that trust God to do his work for them in his own way and time shall find his providence out doing all their forecasts and contravance. The word contravance, I had to look it up. I've never used contravance, but contravance means it's the act of inventing, devising, or planning. The act of inventing, devising, or planning. The war was God's, and he found out helpers of the war whose forwardness to act for the man God designed for the government is here recorded to their honor. 
In other words, he's saying that the man who trusts in God, that God is divinely orchestrating a plan in his life, doesn't have to invent a plan for himself, doesn't have to try to force the issue with God. God freely opens the door. Amen? We need to be careful. I know that when I was younger in the ministry, there was a lot of work of the flesh, trying to make things happen, trying to make the church grow, trying to, to do it uh, how I felt was right. And the Lord had to break that down in my life and, and begin to show me that I was basically fighting against his will. God's timing is not our timing. And if he's truly in control and is divinely orchestrating his plan for our life, then we can trust him to orchestrate that. Amen? I think about being full-time as a full-time pastor. It took 10 years of doing Sundays and Wednesdays before God pulled me out of my, my other job. So I was bivocational for 10 years. And I came to the point right before I became full-time and was able to, able to leave my, my job at Caltrans, I came to the realization that the reason why I was not full-time yet was because God did not want me to be full-time yet. That's why. And if God wanted me to be full-time, he would have miracled for it to happen. See, and that is trusting that God has a plan. And then it came. And now I'm here. So the last thing I'm going to try to do is push the issue with God. His timing is right. King David was a young boy. He didn't become king right away. It took, you know, 10 to 15 years, guys. He was on the run from Saul for many years and learning to trust in the Lord. Amen? Verse 20. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of another three, and he had lifted up his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Of the three, he was more honored than the other two men. Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. So there was the first three that are not mentioned here, but it's Jashobim that we mentioned, Eleazar that we mentioned, and also Shema, who is not mentioned, but he's mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 23. But Abishai, it says that he was more honored than the three leaders that he was a part of, the three chiefs, and him being one of them. But why was he more honored than the other two? Why him and not the other two? Well, we're told here that he simply did what they did not do. He had lifted up his spear against 300 men, killed them, and that is how he won the name. He won the name because he took his spear and he killed 300 men. And that distinguished him from the other two. Did, were the other two not mighty? Of course they were. But in God's estimation, it's recorded that Abishai was honored above the other two because he went after it. And I believe that the same uh, lesson is valid for today that God, you know, we are all saved, not by works, but by faith in Christ. But what we receive in heaven... And even what we're blessed with here on earth, a lot of that has to do with our self-will, whether or not we're going to get after it for the Lord, whether we're going to take great steps of faith for the Lord. It still holds true. 
He was more honored than the other. But I know we see that coming from our Lord in the Gospels. Did he not tell the disciples in Luke 19, verse 26, in the parable of the Minas? He says, For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so the Lord has said to them, that he who has more will be given. He who is stepping out in faith, he who is seeking and serving the Lord, God will take that and multiply their life in spiritual ways, in physical ways. He will bless their life. But those who can show nothing, even what they think they'll have can be taken from them. We're going to be rewarded at the Bema Seat of Christ, whether or not, you know, and it's going to decide what we do in heaven. For eternity will decide how much we go after it here. How much energy, how much time we put in in seeking the Lord and in loving His people and serving His people. It's important to seek after those things. To seek how we can serve Him with more gusto, with more passion. Remember in Matthew 19, I'm going to have you turn there so that we can uh, read it together. In Matthew 19, Jesus was speaking concerning the same concept of service and sacrificing for him. And in Matthew 19, beginning in verse 27, Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And so Jesus is clear that he sees our sacrifice. He saw the sacrifice of the disciples. He said that they had been with him uh, for his trials. And, and that he was going to bless them with authority in heaven. And then he goes on to say, anybody who has sacrificed for the Lord, who, or who is going after it, will be honored by him. He does watch our activity, whether we're serving him or whether we're not. And that's why we preach at Sweet Hills to love Jesus and seek how you can get involved. There's plenty to do as we're waiting for the Lord to return, that's for sure. And who knows what heaven is going to entail as a reward for what we have done for him. I know it's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be all worth it. I wonder how many people at the Bema Seat of Christ will be weeping and crying because they see the reality that they can no longer serve the Lord. They're now going into heaven. They're not going to be lost, but they're going to think, my goodness, my goodness, why didn't I serve him? Why was I spiritually lethargic? Why didn't I just do something for him? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, he's got amazing things planned for us. It's so important to step out in faith, just like this Abishai did. 
And then in verse 22, we see Benaiah was the son of Jehoada, the son of a valiant man from Gabziel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Can you imagine that? Lion-like. When the Bible says they're lion-like, then they're pretty vicious dudes. These Moabites, he killed two of them. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Wow, like it's tough enough to do it on a nice sunny day, but it was snowing and his hands were probably all frozen and he went for it nonetheless and, and, and beat a lion. And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits tall, that's about seven and a half feet. In the Egyptian's hand there was a spear like a weaver's beam, and he went down to him with a staff, rested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. And so these feats of these mighty men, I mean, they, they may sound amazing and unreal, Oh, but we serve a real living God who is in the business of doing supernatural feats through his people. We have the proof here in this book throughout history, but also, oh my goodness, look at the miracles. Look at what he does. The things that he has done is so amazing. It's not, the power isn't in these men. The power is in God. The power isn't in us. The power is in God. All we have to do is seek him. All we have to do is love him. These men were men who were of great debt. They were disillusioned and they found their way as they sought God. They found their way to King David. And look at what they're doing. Amazing feats. I think of Peter walking on water. I think of Jesus calming the storm with one word. And our Lord walking on water, there is nothing our God cannot do. He parted the Red Sea for his people to go through it. He brought down the walls of Jericho as they walked around seven times. We can go on and on of the power of our God. And if our God is so powerful, then we can fully trust him tonight for our needs. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12 through 14, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh my goodness. Our Lord said greater works. And we have seen God do great works in our lives. Oh, we should meditate on the works of the Lord. On how everything that he's done in and through our lives is more than we could ever do on our own. There's no way we could change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives, open doors. Oh, there's no way we could have done any of the things that we have done. Ministering to people, caring for people, praying for people. Not sinning the way we used to. Saying no to sin and practicing it. I mean, the changes. We're sitting in a miracle. We're in this church building. 
God has done amazing things. And if we were just meditate on it more, boy, will our faith grow and get bigger and bigger. The psalmist in Psalm 60 verse 12 says, he said, through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. We will do mighty works because of our God, for it is he who treads down our enemies. That's where we need to be in our faith tonight. That's where God is wanting us to be. These men, we're reading about it, and it's God's work through them, and God wants to work in and through you and I as we yield to him and ask him to use us as humble vessels for his glory and his glory alone. Hebrews 11, that chapter of faith, it says in verse 32 through 35, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.